be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus by his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. And Abraham replied, My child, remember, that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them. Lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And he said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. You may have heard me speak of a painting, and you may have seen the painting yourselves, of a large, very imposing looking building with great pillars in the front of it. 
And tied to one of those pillars is our Lord, scourged and crowned with thorns. And from that building, all manner of people are coming out. Different ages, different professions, all humanity. But although he's plainly there, none of them see him. None of them even so much as look at him. Except one person. A woman who is a nurse. She notices him and she's horrified. Because she's seen him so often in her patients, in the sick and the suffering. It's so easy to ignore people. I suspect, though, that you and I would prefer to be rejected and insulted than ignored. At least if we're being rejected and insulted, they notice that we exist. But to ignore one is to someone is to say, as far as I'm concerned, you don't. You really don't have any being, and you're not worth my attention at all. You remember that poem I mentioned a couple of weeks ago um, about Jesus going to Golgotha and then going to the modern English city of Birmingham. And um, I won't go through the whole poem again, but the, the, the second section it says, when Jesus came to Birmingham, they only passed him by. They would not hurt a hair of him, they only let him die. For men had grown more tender, they would not cause him pain. They simply just walked down the street and left him in the rain. And so it very often is, not just with the poor, which is the emphasis of this gospel, or part of it, but for all humanity, especially those we in some way find inconvenient, sometimes repulsive, and sometimes threatening. This parable is unique and that it's the only parable in which our Lord gives a proper name to someone in the parable, Lazarus. There are those who would say the rich man is also called Dives or Dives, but Dives is the Latin word for rich man, and in the, Vul- in the Vulgate that's what it was. It means rich man. It's not a proper name. And we're told that the rich man was, is described rather elegantly as being dressed in purple garments and fine linen. Purple was a very expensive dye. If you wore purple, you were wealthy. The emperor wore purple, particularly on certain occasions, and dined sumptuously each day, each day. That would have offended the Jews, too. There was no fasting. They were supposed to fast. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores. Lazarus is also described in a rather dramatic sort of way. He's not just poor. He's also suffering. He's decrepit. He is, in many ways, physically repulsive. And he would like to have eaten the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. But no one gave him anything. Now notice, the rich man wasn't unpleasant to Lazarus. He didn't look down at him, insult him. He didn't kick him. He simply ignored him. He didn't even see him. And then all of a sudden, everything's changed. 
poor man dies and is taken to the bosom of Abraham, which of course is a symbol of heaven to the Jewish people, by angels. The rich man died and was buried. Now here we have a rather powerful description of the difference between heaven and hell. And Abraham, seeing Lazarus, calls out and says, Father Abraham, he recognizes him as Father Abraham, send Lazarus, now he knows who he is, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Notice the reply of Abraham. He doesn't insult him, he doesn't use language that's unpleasant, he doesn't reject him, he refers to him as my child. He still loves him. Even though he's in this place of torment, Abraham still loves this child of his. As God always loves us, whatever may happen to us. And then he explains, remember remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, and Lazarus likewise received what was bad, and now this is all turned around. And this cannot be changed. Um, Describes this great chasm between them that no one can cross over. Then notice also the rich man. The rich man now has concern for his five brothers, what might happen to them. Um, And he wants them to be warned. Uh, And the reply is really given to the Pharisees, uh, who are the rich man and his five brothers. Those are the Pharisees. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He's referring in reference to himself in this. And then Abraham says, or rather the rich man says, Oh no, if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. That's what it would take. If someone from the dead goes to them. And then the final line of the gospel, directed specifically at the Pharisees again. If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, and you will not, in reference to me, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead, and they won't be. So he speaks to them about their own condition and to us about ours. You know, um, people will very often say, who reject the church, reject faith, that um, we don't really need the church anyway. We can do all the things the church does without faith and without even God, as far as I'm concerned. Really? Such as what? Well, as being kind to the poor and seeking for peace. Really? Why? What's the motive? Why should you be kind to the poor? Why should you love those who are your enemies? Why should you love those who persecute you? What's the motive? There isn't any. It's only when we realize humanity in the light of the church, in the light of God, that we realize who that person is and their dignity. Otherwise, we will not understand that. I think that's something our world has a great problem with, uh, that the good that's in our world comes from the church. Even when the church herself fails, it still comes from her, because she is the body of Christ. So... The obvious meaning of this is that we do have an obligation to be aware of the needs of the poor and the underprivileged. That's obvious. We need need to have a soft heart, although not a soft head. Um, We need to be cautious about... We know there are certain people who aren't going to use the money we might give them if if they had it. 
so, so we have to be, I think, very cautious in trying to make sure that we are able to help those who need help and not to further destroy those who, who, who would further destroy themselves. But that's something that takes certain wisdom and a certain perception and leave that up to you. But our Lord does warn us about ignoring him and ignoring the reality of God's work in our lives. Uh, that We have to be radically different people. And, uh, you know, when we think of St. Francis, I think we think of St. Francis, of course, with regard to poverty. His own poverty first, which always came first. His own poverty, and then that of others. He was always aware of them. He could always see God in them, as could Mother Teresa, as we know. Uh, but how? What made them different than simply a philanthropist? who does good things for the sake of doing good things without realizing that he does them because of God and the church without even realizing it. What really made them different? Well, Mother Teresa told us, as we know, that I've heard, mentioned this many times. Um, she said, I spend one hour a day in the morning before the Blessed Sacrament. I go to Mass and receive communion. Everybody else that day to me is Christ. That's how she did it. St. Francis said something that I thought was wonderfully powerful. Nobody ever thinks about this, but you sort of always think of St. Francis as the great ecologist and who was concerned for the poor. We forget his faith. Remember, he was the one who, if he, he was tempted to the flesh, would take off his clothes and roll in the snow or throw himself into thorn bushes. Tell that to those who would seem to like St. Francis. Uh, and he was rather drastic, too, in his life, but here's what he said. He said, oh, what Wonderful majesty, what stupendous condescension, what sublime humility that the Lord of the universe, God and the Son of God, should humble himself like this under the form of a little bread for our salvation. The Eucharist was his center, too. Uh, so we will never be able to see the world or other people as we are meant to see them without the Eucharist. And you might say to me, well, what about the rest of the world that don't have the Eucharist? They may be, do wonderful things, and they may be saved as a result of that without knowing it, but they will never have the love that they ought to have. We have the potential, and we have no excuse for not having it. Remember how that poem closed? When all the crowd had left the street without a soul to see, then Jesus crouched against a wall and sighed for Calvary. He preferred the hatred of his people to their indifference. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the humility of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, the following in the poverty of our Lord Jesus Christ, she may always be open to the needs in our world, spiritual and physical, especially the church suffering, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all nations, especially our own, for our politicians, they too will be open to the real suffering in our world, especially the suffering uh, of the most defenseless of all people. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are sick and suffering and dying, that in their suffering they may know that they are united to the Lord in his suffering. 
and be visible signs of his love in their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have rejected grace and faith, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For a greater respect for human life, especially life in the womb, the poorest of all, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will be visible signs of God's love will be particularly concerned about the spiritual as well as the physical poverty of our world. For a greater reverence uh, for the mission element of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, having spent time in the presence of the Eucharistic Lord, they may then be visible signs of his generosity, we pray to the Lord. For all those working on our building project, that they will remain safe, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. Amen. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that our lives will be visible signs of the humility of our Lord Jesus Christ, visible signs of his generosity, visible signs of his giving himself on the cross, we pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the refuge of sinners and health of the sick as we sing. Mm-hmm. 